Josh. I'm Jamie. And welcome to Ricardo Chiquis, the podcast where we talk about movies, comics, and everything in between. Today we're going to be talking about everything that happened last week with the writer strike being over. <laughs> to everything that happened this week with uh, Marvel Studios looking for writers for its X-Men. <laughs> Reboot and so much more. Also, feel free to follow us on all our social media platforms. We're on Twitter and TikTok at Combo with Two Geeks. We're also on Facebook and Instagram at Conversation with Two Geeks. And if you want to send us an email with anything from this episode or one of our previous episodes, our emails at Conversation with Two Geeks at gmail.com. And also, if you want to support the show, don't forget to check out our Patreon. Mm-hmm. And make sure to check out our back catalog on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or our podcast to listen to. So, a lot has happened in the last two weeks. Yeah, uh, we we did not record last week, so mm-hmm. now we're catching up. And of mm. course, one of the big things happens while we're all, but it's very, all very, very happy about. Yeah, no, for sure. Which we'll talk about it in a second. But also, um, another cool thing has happened. I don't know if you know this or not, but um, so guess who's covering um AFI Fest this year or the American Film Institute um Film Festival? Basically, guess who's going to his first film festival? You are. Yep. Awesome. Awesome, yeah. awesome. Awesome. I yeah. I will be there October twenty fifth, um, twenty the twenty fifth, twenty eighth, and 29th. So for anyone that's over there, make sure you say hi and stuff. I'll let you guys know down the line of what titles I'll actually see because I'm actually seeing a certain amount of movies. I won't be seeing like everything because, um, especially for this was a bit of a nightmare for me because um the week that this is all happening, I got a friend coming down coming downtown and stuff. Mm-hmm. And and she's also staying at my place and stuff. And we're also going to Halloween Horror Nights, which, by the way, I also went to. That was really fun. Oh, oh, oh. So I got a, I got a lot going on at the end of, at the end of October. God help me. Yeah, all good. It'll be all good. But yeah. Oh, also everything good on your end? Yeah, I'm good. Um, just hanging in there. Been busy with work and school and stuff. Um, but yeah, no, I've been okay. Okay, that's good to hear. That's good. To hear. <laughs> But yeah, but moving on to our first topic, and the one I'm really happy about, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, according to the Writers Guild of America themselves, WGA and ABTV have reached a tentative agreement with them, winning a number of deal points. In other words, the Writers Strike's over. In a statement to members, they said, "Dear members, we have reached a tentative agreement on a new 2023 minimum basic agreement." which is to say an agreement on principle on all deal points subject to final contract language. What we have won in this contract, most particularly everything we have gained since May 2nd is due to the willingness of this membership to exert its power, demonstrate solidarity, to walk side by side, and to endure the pain and uncertainty of the past 146 days. Is the leverage generated by your strike encountered with the extraordinary support of our uh, union siblings that finally brought the companies back to the table to make a deal? We can say with great pride that this deal is exceptional with meaningful gains and protection for writers outside, for writers with every sector of the membership and for what those gains and protections include. Well, according to the Guild, for features made for um, high budget straight to video on demand, uh, programs 96 minutes um, plus, um, 
with a budget of 30 million or more receive 18% increase in initial compensation of um, basically $100,000 for storage teleplay and a 26 increase in the residual base. Combined with the foreign residuals improvement, this produces a three-year residuals of 260,000 um, for projects on the largest streaming services, accelerate the payment schedule for flat deals, 50% upon income on commencement, 25% paid nine weeks after commencement on invoice, and 25% on delivery applies if the writer is paid 200% of minimum or less. For Amazon TV, we got increased rates for staff writers and story slash executive uh, executive story editors with a new writer-producer tier, script fees for staff writers, preservation of the writer's room with the minimum writers in a show that I've been really being up to six writers and three uh, writer-producers, uh, foreign and streaming residuals, increased residuals on high-budget straight video on demand series, and movies that are viewed by 20% or more of the services domestic subscribers in the first 90 days, as well as a bonus of $9,031 for a half an hour episode, 16, um, 16,415 for one hour for one hour uh, episode, uh, 40,500 for stream feature over a $30 million budget, as well as data transparency from the streamers. And finally, AI regulate, uh, regulate use of artificial intelligence on basic agreements, projects, uh, AI generated materials, not considered literary material, short material, or assigned material under the NBA. AI is not a writer on the NBA. Fuck yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, writers can elect to use AI when performing writing services if the company consents um, consent and provider follow, writers follow uh, appl applicable uh, company policies. Companies cannot require writers to use AI software. Uh, example, GPT when performing writer services, companies must disclose to the writer if any material given to the writer has been generated by AI or incorporates AI generated material. The guild also reserves the right to assert that exploitation of writer materials is trained um, to train AI is prohibited by the uh, minimum base agreement and other or other laws. And according to Variety, on the 148th day of the work stoppage, the board of the WGA West and Council of the WGA East voted unanimously on Tuesday to lift strike order as a 1201 um, um, Pacific Standard Time on Wednesday following a tentative agreement on the new main base agreement. Um, in contract with the AMPTP, this means the writers can go back to work with outlining out with news outlets such as um the Wrap and Deadline reporting that um for writers such as issues like Law and Order, FBI, uh, Chicago Fire, so the shutdowns are heading back to work alongside shows like Grey's Anatomy, Criminal Minds, Evolution, Number One, Family Guy, Bob's Burgers, Simpsons, Yellow Jackets, Ghost, NCIS, Fire Country, uh, The Neighborhood, Abbott Elementary, uh, Six Lives with College Girls, uh, Young Sheldon, Cleaning Lady, Quantum Leap, One Piece, and the upcoming Rescue High Surf, among others. This is all while the SAG after strikes continue to strike, uh, where according to THR, they and the AMP team are set to meet again this upcoming week. And as of currently right now, they are set to meet up, I believe, this Friday as well as this Monday. Mm -hmm. So... <laughs> It's huge. It's finally after the whole summer, mm -hmm. pretty much. But they hung in there. You guys hung in there. And like the AI stuff is huge. That's the huge thing. Um, Massively fucking huge. Yeah, that's huge. Um, residuals got a bump, which is great. Mm -hmm. Like overall, it seems like it's a pretty good deal. Um, so this is just really good news. Um, hopefully everything with SAG goes well with their mm -hmm. meeting, which we're rooting for you like, guys. 
seems like it is for the most part. They keep going back, so it seems like it's just yeah. We're rooting for you guys. Yeah, we're rooting for you guys because you got because you guys deserve just as much as well. Also, mm -hmm. like this has been a hot strike summer, and now it's really a, almost a hot strike year. If I'll be fully honest, because now the hospital yeah. workers are like um are like striking and stuff. Which, by the way, if you're a hospital worker that listens to this, we support you guys. We support all unions that are striking. Mm -hmm. Striking because everyone deserves their fair wage and a further fair pay, and let's fucking go. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I uh, I will say as a PWGA writer, this uh, I'm make some money. Finally, money. I'm gonna live a for the bleep. I'm gonna live a for the bleep. Yeah. <laughs> hopefully, I'll... as soon and as soon as hopefully when SAG strikes ends. The fall TV that was supposed to be starting right around now will start getting to filming pretty mm -hmm. soon, which mm -hmm. would be huge. And be ready for the spring or like mm -hmm. late winter. Yeah, so. yeah, no, definitely. They're probably like, shit, 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 shit. We, we, we didn't want to go back. You didn't want to go back to work. Yeah. And it's like, it's, and it's like, well, you could have maybe done this sooner if you haven't. Because I'm kind of with John Oliver on this. Um, John Oliver kind of talked about this when he, when all the late night shows started appearing mm -hmm. and stuff like this could have been dealt with sooner. But no, you want to drag your fucking feet. By not negotiating with our people. For real. For yes. real. <sighs> I need mean, 46. They could have just done this the first time, and this could have been over like a long time ago, but you know, it's happened. It's all whatever. It's taken care of now. Mm -hmm. Ryder's got a pretty good deal. Hopefully, Sack gets a really good deal as well. Mm -hmm. And yeah, and then we'll start getting more stuff coming out, or at least announcements and stuff, and we can enjoy stuff again and whatnot, mm. and yeah, it'll be good. Yeah, and everyone can be fairly compensated. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm, because, you know... Which is hard. what's most important. Yes, yeah, so the other day, like, as much as we love all this stuff, like, everyone needs to be fairly paid. Like, I, like, for mm -hmm. me, like, personally, I've stopped taking... Well, I really ever since I started working down here, I I stopped taking free work, free work and stuff mainly because I just like I need to get paid. I gotta pay rent yep. now. I gotta pay rent down here. Yeah, rent's not not cheap, folks. No, it's not cheap. <sighs> Anyways, <laughs> moving on to our next topic, uh, we got an official trailer for Argos and Office Race from the Twisted Mind of Matthew Vaughn, the Kingsman franchise and Kickass. Comes Argyle, a razor-witted, reality-bending, globe-encircling thriller. Bryce Dallas Howard um, is Ellie Conway, uh, the reclusive author of a series of best-selling espionage novels who, whose idea of bliss and, is a night at home with her computer and her cat, Alfie. But when the plots of Ellie's fictional books, which sit around secret agent Argyle and his, his mission unravel a global spice syndicate, begin to mirror the covert actions of a real-life spy organization. Why aimings at home become a thing of the past, um, accompanied by Aiden, played by Sam Rockwell, a cat allergic spy, Ellie, Carrie, Alfie, and her backpack, uh, races across the world to stay one step ahead of the killers as they, uh, and as the line between Ellie's fictional world and the real one begins to blur. Directed by Matthew Vaughn with uh, Ryan Dews, go to Jason Foops. Uh, the show stars Howard Cavill, Rockwell, John Cena, Ryan DeBose, Dua Lipa, Brian Cranston, and Catherine O'Hara, Sophia Botella, and the legendary Samuel Jackson with Alfie the Cat played by, being played by Chip, who in real life is Vaughn's wife's cat. Uh, the film is set for release on February 2nd, 2024. It seems fun. Yeah, it seems cool. <laughs> I really like the vibe. It seems like it could be a lot of fun. Yeah. 
Yeah. Although I do think that like it is Vaughn's actual cat. That's hilarious. Granted, it's, it's very also funny. It's also probably CGI because you could definitely tell that there's moments that are like CGI. Modern like probably a lot of the stunt stuff is probably CGI or like the more dangerous stuff. Mm-hmm. So for mm-hmm. sure, it, yeah, it, yeah, no, and just. <sighs> Yeah, no, this looks like a lot of fun. It reminds me a lot of Romance of the Stone and The Long Kiss Goodnight. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. But yeah, this, this looks like a lot of fun. I've been curious about this one. And I actually thought it was going to, I actually thought it was going to be about Cathal's character, like learning that he's actually a spy. Mm-hmm. But it turns out, no, it's actually the other way around and stuff. And that that's interesting. Cool. Also, seeing Sam Rockwell in a spy movie is also cool. Yeah, that's very cool. Very, very cool. Mm-hmm. Anyway, moving on to a bit of a sadder topic. Um, Via Deadline, Michael Gammon, the veteran Irish-English actor of stage and screen, known internationally for his role as Professor Albus Dumbledore in six of the eight Harry Potter movies, passed away at the age of 82 from a bout of a pneumonia. Uh, born on October 19, 1940, the Dutch-born Gambit began his acting career with Laurence Olivier as an original member of the Royal Na- Nation Theater. He, he appeared in numerous Shakespeare productions, taking on classic roles such as Othello, Hamlet, Macbeth, and Cornelius. He was nominated for 13 Olivia Awards, reading three times for A Course of Disapproval in 1985, A Few for a Bridge in 1987, and Man of the Mo- Moment in 1990. He made his Broadway debut in 1997's David O's David Harris Skylight, for which he was nominated a Best Tony uh, Best Actor Tony Award. Over 60 years, Gam- uh, Gammon received three Olivier's, two SAG Awards, Award and four BAFTAs. He was nine in 1999 for his versus to drama. And in 2004, following the death of Richard Harris, who played the role of Dumbledore in 2001's Harry Potter and the Sorcerer the Philosopher, if you live in the UK, Stone and 2002's Chamber of Secrets replaced Harris as a famous professor playing throughout the rest of the franchise. He also starred in Matthew Vaughn's Director of the Butte Layer Kick, where he had one of the best, best monologues about life and crime. You're a bright young man. This monkey business is in your blood, under your skin. You're not getting out, you're just getting in. You're only getting started. I've every faith in you. And one day in the future, it'll be you sitting here in my place, telling some young Turk the facts of life. And they are, Mr. Temple. You're born, you take shit. Get out in the world, you take more shit. Climb a little higher, take less shit. Till one day you're up in the rarefied atmosphere and you've forgotten what shit even looks like. Welcome to the layer cake, son. His other feature film credits include The Cook, The Thief, His Wife and Her Lover, The Wings of the Dove, Gus, Gus Ford Park, the King's Speech, and The Life Aquatic. And he said from his publicist, it reads, We are devastated to announce the loss of Michael Gambin, beloved father, a husband and father. Michael died peacefully in his hospital with his wife, Anna, and his son, Fergus, uh, as bedside following about a pneumonia. Uh, Michael was 82. We ask that you respect our privacy at this painful time, and thank you for your messages of support and love. Rest in peace, sir. Michael Gambin, you will be missed. Also, if we can have a moment of silence. All right, moment done. It's very sad. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, yeah. Yeah. Dan, yeah. Uh, Daniel Radcliffe posted a really nice thing on, um, or did an interview. I can't remember if he posted something on social media because he doesn't really use it or if he did an interview. Um, but he said some really nice words about him, which was really nice. Mm-hmm. So, 
it's very sad but it, honestly i remember hearing back in the day a while ago that he was having some memory issues like a few mm. years ago or something because okay. he was doing a play and he like could not remember he's having a hard time remembering his lines or something mm. so and i was getting concerned back then but um yeah it's very sad yeah. He was a great Dumbledore. I like don't get me wrong, I love Richard Harris and I think he would have been fantastic too. And it is sad. Mm-hmm. But I do think that he was really good. Mm-hmm. It brought um some really good things for Dumbledore. Yeah, I mean he is responsible for the moment of time. <laughs> yeah, I knew yeah, yeah. I mean which I never really mind as a kid, but like I I don't know. I, I always thought his Dumbledore, especially which, by the way, if you haven't seen Lear King, I highly recommend it. And maybe and just that entire bit. I always mm-hmm. thought he was like, okay, gangster Dumbledore. Mm-hmm. Like, he's a Dumbledore that seems like someone that can probably have secrets and stuff. Whereas, like, Harris was like, old wise mentor Dumbledore be like, uh, yeah. Harry. He, <laughs> Garbin had more, I don't want to say more energy. He just had a more athletic energy, maybe. Mm-hmm. Or just a more little bit more lively. Mm-hmm. Cause like what you said of Harris, Harris is like a Dumbledore who is like very much like an old wise, like mm-hmm. which is why it would have been cool for him if he had made it to see him in see his interpretation in Hapla Prince and the cave thing with Harry. Mm-hmm. Like that would have been insanely interesting to see. Mm-hmm. Um and stuff like that. But um that's why I like both of them a lot. And mm-hmm. I think like um, I think it's, but it, you know, it's very sad and, and mm-hmm. stuff. And I hope like rest in peace for him. He is fantastic. And um, I feel for his family and his friends. It's got to mm-hmm. be very sad, but he was fantastic. Yeah. I, as I get older, I realize that we're probably going to lose a lot of the adults. Yeah. Very soon. And like, I mean, yeah. it's very sad. I, I hate getting older. I know it's very sad. Uh, anyway, moving on to our next topic, which you actually found. Yeah. And you sent to me. Um, <laughs> we got an official trailer for the Buccaneers and Social Suites based on the novel by uh, Edith Wharton. The series follows a group of fun-loving young American girls explode into the tightly corset London season of the 1870s, kicking off an Anglo-American culture clash as the land of the stiff upper lip is infiltrated by a refreshing disregard for centuries of tradition. Since it's secure husband and titles, the Buccaneers' hearts are set much more than that, and saying I do is just the beginning. Led by an all-females writer's room, the series was created by uh, Catherine Jakeways, which is going to Suzanne White, Charlotte Reagan, and Richard C., with a series starring uh, Christine Frotsmith, uh, Alicia Chabot, uh, Josie Tall, Tota, Tota, um, Arbor- I'm going to mispronounce this. I apologize. Abiri Abreg, Amelia Waterhouse, Mia Thrippleton, Christina Hendricks, Josh Dillon, Guy Ramirez, uh, Matthew Broom, and Barney uh, Fishwick. Uh, The series is set to drop episodes weekly on Apple TV Plus starting November 8th. So, yes. (laughs) So, this is my pick. So, I randomly found this on Twitter. I know this is not, I'm sorry, Josh, this is not your cup of tea. Um, It's okay. It's okay. I'll allow it. I know. Um, but it's very much giving me vibes of Downton Abbey, Pride and Prejudice, kind of period piece, but a little, and Bridgerton, like a little bit more, like have like a modern feel to it. 
Mm-hmm. I don't know if that makes any kind of sense, but that's mm-hmm. the kind of vibe with like um, female supporting cast for the most part, female led cast. Um, mm-hmm. So like this piqued my interest, and I di- I haven't heard about this until I saw this trailer. So I saw the trailer and I thought it was very interesting. Um, mm-hmm. See, so it feels like very much my cup of tea, and I haven't had a Downton Abbey kind of don't guys don't yell at me. I haven't seen Bridgerton yet. I know it's very bad. Because I know I would love it. And it's made by Shonda Rhimes, who I'm, I have experience with, with Grey's Anatomy. So, like, I know. <laughs> um, so, yeah. So, this feels like it's very much, would be very much my cup of tea. Um, so, I'm probably going to check it out. I was very into it. So. Yeah, no, it, it looks nice. It looks nice. The cinematography it's... looks pretty good. Like It does. It does. It yeah. genuinely does. And, yeah. Also, I... <laughs> Okay, I thought the song uh, playing the trailer was a Taylor song, but it turns out it's an Olivia. No, it's Olivia Rodrigo. Yeah. Mm. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I was close. I was close. You were close. You, you were close. I, but I, I actually like that choice of song. I think it kind of fits. It's mm-hmm. kind of funny. Yeah. Um, I think it's going to be interesting because we're going to have American girls going to England. And mm-hmm. I know that's, that is common. But I feel like in the shows, it's normally all, all either all English, one American, or all American, one English person kind of vibe mm-hmm. most of the time. Yeah. So this will be kind of interesting, mm-hmm. um, maybe. But mm-hmm. I think it's gonna be cool. It should be cool. I'm I'm into it. Yes, and it's all like, I, I yeah no I don't yeah. See the, I know it's not actiony or anything like that. Well, well it, it's not that it's not actually or anything. It's, I this is a female like it's not it's not even the female lead. I'm actually happy that it's a fe- all female. No, no, no. I mean this is geared more towards the female audience. Oh, oh, I mean there's also that. It's just yeah. Full disclaimer, folks, I never really could get into like period piece British stuff. Yeah. It's it's, it's what a- I it's it's a whole it's why I confuse Pride and Prejudice with atonement. And I know those are like two separate things, but like I, I really just Listen, I I maybe not be the biggest period piece person, but I do love my period pieces. Sense and Sensibility. Freaking love Alan Rickman in that movie so much. You guys have no freaking idea. And Kate Winslet in that movie. Top notch. Um, but period pieces, I feel like people either really love them or really hate them. Like, there's not really a good mm-hmm. in between because... It could be hard for people to get into, and it and it is because they it's very much a very like distinct time, mm-hmm. you know. So if you don't vibe with that, then I can understand why people don't like it. But I feel like this potentially could be like because Downton Abbey did something where they were able to be like a period piece, but they were able to somehow have like a very good modern spin onto Mm -hmm. it Mm -hmm. without being too much. And Mm -hmm. so I feel like this has the potential to kind of almost do the same thing, Mm -hmm. maybe. Mm -hmm. Um, But we'll see. I mean, I don't, I have no idea. Just the trailer looked interesting to me. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, but like, if you love period pieces and you haven't seen Dalton Abbey, go check out Dalton Abbey. It's fantastic. Only if you're in the mood to cry, because it's very sad. Um, but it's good. But I, I don't know. I just I haven't had a good period piece show to really 
dig into in a while and this look good. Yeah, this looks neat. This looks neat. I'm, I'm excited for you. Anyways, yeah. moving on to something that I'm really excited about. Yep. Uh, uh, we got an official trailer for Silent Night. The synopsis reads, from legendary director John Woo and the producer of John Wick comes the greedy revenge tale of a tormented fire played by Gil Kinnaman, who witnesses his son, young son die when caught in a gang's crossover on Christmas Eve. While recovering from a wound that cost him his voice, he makes vengeance his life's mission and embarks on a punishing training regimen in order to avenge his son's death. Full loose change her style. Silent Night redefines the acting genre, reverse role, thriller minute storytelling. Directed by Wu and from a script from Robert Archie Lin, the film stars Kenneman, Scott Musetti, uh, Harold Torres, and Catalina Sandino Moreno. The film is set to be released on December 1st. I'm really excited for this. Yeah, it looks really good. Mainly because it's the return of um, John Wu, who, for those that don't know who he is, he's the guy responsible for movies like The Killer, uh, A Better Tomorrow 2. Face Off, um, Hard Boiled, some of the best action movies of all time. And to see him now, after 23 years, because his last American movie was, uh, was sadly enough, actually, Mission Impossible 2, which did not have the best product behind-the-scenes production. Mm-hmm. And to come back to the States and do another action movie, complete with all his signature style of slow-mo, two guns, and oh, all, all I just see is the fucking doves. We're here, baby. The action looks top-notch in this. It really, really does. The action was looks really well done, just from the trailer mm-hmm. perspective. Um, <laughs> yeah. No, it looks good. The story looks very heartbreaking mm-hmm. and stuff, so it looks really good. It looks like it'll be a good movie. Yeah, no, and I'm and I'm excited because Joe Kinnaman, like, like I like we've seen Joe Kinnaman and stuff. Like we've seen him in the Suicide Squad, both Suicide Squad movie actually, as well as stuff like The Killing, as well as that Robocop remake, which wasn't really good, but he was good in it and stuff. And like he looks like he is like a hundred percent here for the role and stuff. And mm-hmm. I just yeah, fuck yeah. Um, yeah, I <laughs> I have no words other than hell yes. Where's my money? Where, where's my goddamn wallet? I, I I will I will be there opening day. Yeah, but yes, that look that the revenge storytelling is like my <laughs> my Brit no my Bridgerton. Yeah, I mean, like I don't know. Like this is like it's funny that we have these two back to back because like. Mm-hmm. It's very much like this is more definitely more your cup of tea than my cup of tea mm-hmm. and stuff like that. So it's just it's gonna it's very funny. But no, th- it does genuinely look good though. Yeah. It does. Yeah, yeah, no. I I just I'm a very violent person. <laughs> it's all good. It's because yeah, it, it, this trailer was very, 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 very violent. Like mm-hmm. it was. I so mean, like I'm expecting this to probably get a hard. I don't. I can't remember what it was rated, but probably R. Yeah, it's like literally like there's like a shot where someone literally has a gun and like it, it's, their head explodes from like a gunshot yeah. and blood comes out and I'm just like fuck yeah that was the moment that opened me on and be like all right I'm in I'm in just yeah ticket please yep ticket, for please. sure but yeah all right moving on to our last two topics is good some variety reports that a film based on Beyonce's smash hit. Renaissance World Tour is set to be distributed directly to AMC theaters and with it set to be released on December 1st. Um, Mega Agency CCA, a creative art artist agency, 
Uh, held preliminary talks at Meteor Studios and streamers two weeks ago. Another source added, urging the players to be ready to bid on the project. Um, the icon has been built for years. One that would include elements of our top growth C toy twenty three live shows, part parts of the launch just saying visual album Renaissance and a documentary style account of the making of the record and the building out the tour with Beyonce negotiating directly with AMC Theaters. This is also following Taylor Swift making a deal for her for a film based off her Eras tour with that is reportedly that is reported to open north of a hundred million opening weekend. So uh, I know that they said that this was in development for a while and I wouldn't be surprised if she was actually playing on doing this before Taylor got her deal. But a part of me is also like, but a part of me is also like, um, Taylor saw, uh, no, Beyonce saw the reports. It was like, hmm, better call Taylor up. You're like, hey, um, what studio are you, who, who are you um, getting to um, do this with and stuff? Mm-hmm. And it was like, oh, AMC. It's like, okay, all right, I'll call them up. And sooner enough, uh, both of them will probably be making a sense of money. And I also feel for my customer service workers. My fellow, like, just hilarious. It's just so funny. It, it it really is. But on one hand, Beyonce make that money. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, I don't. I'm being very careful about this because I don't want to upset the beehive. Which yeah, I be careful. Yeah, I'm gonna be very careful here. I yeah. Um, just. Please treat your please treat your service workers, customer service workers. Just and this also applies to the Swifties as well. Please treat yeah. please treat them with respect and stuff. I I have friends that work for AMC theaters. I don't want I don't want them to because I literally have like one friend that is like Taylor Swift is now my mortal enemy. Honestly, I I understand because yeah. especially over like the last couple years, the Swifties are like. Crazy, and I've seen be- the beehives too, and they're they maybe aren't as vocal, but they're just as intense. Mm-hmm. So like, but so it's gonna be. I just hope that this Beyonce movie doesn't come out for like. There's a good amount of space between the Aries tour movie and this one. I mean, Aries um, tour comes out literally next week, and yeah. then Beyonce comes out doesn't come out till December first. God, there's gonna be lots of the release on December first. So December first, mm-hmm. when it's scheduled. Okay, so that's not too bad. Mm-hmm. So, um, but yeah, it's just I, I believe that she probably had this in plan because she's also Beyonce. So like, I would not mm-hmm. be surprised if she was already planning on doing something like this. Mm-hmm. Um, but I could also see her seeing. I got like I'm with you. I could also see her seeing what Taylor's doing and be like, "Hey, I'm also Beyonce. I could also do this." And mm-hmm. let's be honest, these two with the, their concerts. Like almost back to back, like has like helped the economy this summer and has helped us not go into complete ruin. Mm-hmm. So it's just very funny. Um, I'm pretty excited for it. Like I haven't gone to see Beyonce's show. I like literally she was coming in like maybe a week or two after the Taylor show. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. um, maybe so like it's just very it's just very cool. But yeah. yeah. Yeah, no, I knew I knew people I used to work with that went to the Beyonce show. And I'm like, hey, where's my motherfucking ticket? Yeah. So, it, yeah, no, but yeah, no, but it was very close. Like it was like a week or two after the Beyonce show, like yeah. it was very close and stuff. But yeah, no, like I, yeah, no, I'm kind of with you. I'm just like, 
Please do not ruin my my fellow customer service workers. Again, I got friends that are customer service people and stuff, and like just I, I don't want them to come out and ruin. I already have one. I already have one, my my best friend and stuff. Like he is like he is like Taylor Swift is my mortal enemy now, and like I I don't want that same thing happening to Beyonce because you know Beyonce is Beyonce. It's just as long as you're respectful to the service workers mm -hmm. and and stuff, and they'll, you'll be fine. That's all you need to do is just have mm. respect, like you know, and just like follow follow their guidelines. Like I know it's annoying, but the guidelines are in place to help keep everything mm. going. So mm -hmm. it's it's that's all you got to do. And if you have any questions. There's somebody there that will be more than happy to help you figure out what's going on. Mm -hmm. So like, don't be afraid to ask somebody either. That's what that's what we're here for. Listen, I. And if the, if they seem frustrated, I promise you, it's not at you directly. It's just they are just they just are ha not having the day. And when we're busy, like, like I know I've been guilty of this. It's just it's not easy sometimes. So, like, if we feel if we seem a little frustrated, I promise you, it's not at you directly, unless you're being a complete, mm -hmm. complete whatever. Mm -hmm. So, like, I promise you, it's not at you. So, just be patient with the people, be respectful, ask any questions you need to ask, and you know, and and also, I I know these are both concert movies too. And I know there's been a lot of discourse about, especially with the the Taylor one, that it's going to be more about the concert, about what the etiquette is, like if there's going to be people dancing and whatever. I, my recommendation: call up the theater that you're going to go see it at, and see what they're saying, what their management team is saying, and just read the vibe of the theater that you're going into, because like you don't want to be that one person who kind of messes up the whole experience. Uh -huh. So. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. both of these concerts were hard to get tickets for, so there's going to be a lot of people going to see these shows that haven't been able to. Mm -hmm. So just mm -hmm. also keep that in mind too. You mm -hmm. know? Mm -hmm. Basically, listen to everything that Jamie says. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It's just, but have fun too. Like this is I'm not trying to rain on anybody's parade who's excited to go see these or anything, because mm -hmm. I know there's a lot of Swifties who are excited to go and hang out and I'm sure it's the same for the beehive and whatnot. Mm -hmm. But it is a concert movie, but we're also not in the same kind of venue as a whole stadium. So it's mm -hmm. the rules are gonna it's a little bit different. So we just gotta be just be mindful of people around you and mm -hmm. your and the customer service workers because we do not get paid enough to deal with some of the stuff that we have to deal with. We so. really don't. We really don't. Yeah. Yeah. So. Anyway, moving on to our last topic of the day. An exclusive from Deadly Reports tomorrow, CEOs will start set, uh, setting writer meetings later this fall for pitches for its anticipated action movie. However, according to the interest with the publication, there is no rush to fill the job since the film has not been and even dated yet, and there's more than likely any decision that will be any decision made on writers uh, will be made at the beginning of 2024. So, all right, QDX team. Anyways, we're finally getting the exit, folks. It's gonna be fun. 
It'd be fun. Now, quick question. Should we do... Okay. The question that I have to post. Should we do an mm-hmm. original five series? Basically, Scott, Gene, Angel, Beast, Iceman, and... Yeah, I think that's the original five. Or should we do a team where it's like the original five and they're just coming up? Or should we do a first class team where basically those guys are kind of older, older and stuff, and we have the newer, newer, newer folks like, um, like Jubilee, uh, Kitty Pride, Nightcrawler, and stuff? Hey, oh, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. That's a good question. Because that's mm-hmm. kind of what Marvel's going through right now, a little bit. Is they had their OGs that we mm-hmm. saw them go through their stories. Now we're having a lot of new people come in. Mm-hmm. So it's very interesting. Um, I would like to real like I think starting with the original five would probably be the best mm-hmm. idea. Mm-hmm. So that way we get to know we have a good group of X Men that we get to follow. We have a core group, and mm-hmm. we get to see their stories, and then we get to expand out. Mm-hmm. Um, that would be my ideal ideal thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I know I'm not as in tune with the X Men to be perfectly honest, mm-hmm. but I've seen like parts of some of the movies, and I've seen at least one of the movies, but I honestly can't remember um that much. But mm-hmm. um, it whatever it also depends on what story they're going through and with what Marvel is doing mm-hmm. too. So it, there's some factors in it, but I think starting with a core group would be probably be best, and then we could bring in newbies later. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely, definitely. And I'm kind of with you on that. Like, I don't like I'll split between the newbies and the newbies and just do it with the core group and stuff because I would like, like, obviously, I'm to see like characters like Shadow, like uh, Katie Pride or Jubilee in the mix, but I don't know if I want them specifically to be with the first group. I don't know. I kind of want them to be kind of a mixture sort of thing. But then again, we also have to introduce, well, fully introduce mutants, and that mm-hmm. whole that is a whole gambit and stuff. And also, one thing I really hope that like this this version of Action will do is not necessarily rely on the whole mutant mutant the whole mutant thing. Because the thing about the Fox movies, and they kind of started to kind of branch out of this by thankfully starting to like incorporate different genres and stuff. But like they kind it was a little too little too late. They kind of was the whole mutant. The whole mutant thing, which again is a whole center of the series and stuff, and the whole mutant allegory and stuff. That's a that's a thing in the comics. That's a direct thing, and that was a direct influence in the comics. Mm-hmm. But I also, but it was also more than that. It was the space opera at times. It was sci-fi. It was time travel, time travel, mm-hmm. and it was a lot like, and it was soap opera stuff. And it was a lot more than just that. So hopefully, uh, whichever writers they get on this, they they'll incorporate that in a little bit. And a little bit of stuff because I think like just doing the mutant stuff, um, I don't think they should just rely on that. And also judging from how you gotta have that balance. Yeah, you gotta have that balance. And judging from how I'm gonna kind of use Spider-Man as an example for this. Um, but judging how the MCU has incorporated other characters like Spidey into into their universe is that they really try to avoid everything that was done in the past and instead try to do their own version. Yeah, which is definitely a possibility that they will thought they will do. Mm-hmm. Um my thing is I just I know that the X-Men are super important to a lot of people and so mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and people love these characters and I've been super excited for them to become actually part of the MCU for a while. Mm-hmm. So I just hope that they do justice to the characters. 
that's mm-hmm. my thing and that they f- they focus on the characters too and it's mm-hmm. and give them good development that's my mm-hmm. thing that i mm-hmm. hope so yeah same here same here but either way either way We're getting the answer soon. Yeah. Anyway, moving on to your recommendations for the bit. Um, so I've seen the last two episodes of Ahsoka, and I also have my um series overall thoughts. Um, episode seven I thought was a really good episode. Uh, loved how everything came together, and the reunion of two characters was so great. In addition, we got a cameo from a much beloved character. Uh, that was really fun. And then finally, we got um, we got to see how Thrawn operates. And it was a very interesting to watch. Um, all in all, I really enjoyed this episode. Next year, the finale, and then. The finale came about, and I loved what everything Rick Pimley did. Um, did with the did with everything from the action to the story to the characters. I was very happy with the final moments of the episode. Um, and my overall thoughts are just the entire season, season itself. Despite a slow start to the season, Star Wars Ahsoka was a nice, well needed return to how Star Wars, how great Star Wars can be on a small screen. Um, Greg Filoni and company successfully managed to continue the story of Ahsoka Tano while also managing to bring in characters from the realm of animation. Case in point. Abrazaro Dawson excels as Ahsoka in the stage for life. Her chemistry with David Tennant's Huyang, who, by the way, is now on the list of my favorite droids, and Hayden Christensen as Anakin Skywalker, Simmons's. However, some of the standouts include Natasha Lee Bordezio as Sabine, uh, Mary Elizabeth Woods as Hera, and potential spoilers here, uh, Amon as Fani as Ezra, with all three bringing the best parts of their characters to life, while also adding something new to the table. In addition, Laz Mickelson, who reprises as well as Thrawn. Uh, Diane Lee and Sano, uh, Ray Sabatim, who may, may rest in peace, and Ivana Shankno uh, also gave great performances for each of them, bringing a lot of intrigue and interest in their characters. But if there's something that is, but if there's something that's holding back, holding the season back, is the slow pace, as well as the lack of conclusion with Stevens and his second character, especially with Stevenson no longer with us, sadly. Though there is a possibility that this could be addressed in a future season. All in all, despite the slow pace at the beginning, as well as the lack of conclusion to the characters, Star Wars Ahsoka was a nice return to form for a live action Star Wars on the small screen, with Filoni and company providing some memorable moments of heart action spectacle. Can't wait to see what the future holds. Also, shout out to Kevin Kleiner with his amazing score. That was a really good score and such. And yeah. Um, and then I see the first three episodes of Gen V. I know episode four has probably recorded at the time that we're probably recording this, but um, I'm only just going to cover episodes one through three. I uh, watched the first three episodes of the voice about Gen V, and it's pretty good. Showrunners uh, Michelle Fakes and Tara Butters and company managed to keep the tone of the boys while injecting something different into it, as well as delivery a couple of twisted turns. Finally, the cast is phenomenal, which all of them brings some heart and likability in their performances. Overall, Gen V is pretty good so far, and I highly recommend checking it out. And finally, I saw The Creator, and that was interesting. Uh, for those unfamiliar, the film follows a former soldier named Joshua, played by John David Washington, from a Texas AI-like child in a world where humans and AI are war with each other. Director Gareth Edwards and company made a very unique spellbinding entry in the passing of sci-fi, blending multiple different ideas together successfully and at times to mixed results, especially with the writing for which Edwards co-wrote uh, the script alongside About a Boy scribe uh, Chris Wetz and Eddie, which was done by Hank Cohen, Harwood, Scott Morris, and Joe Walker. In addition, though, the cinematography from Greg Fraser and Oren Oren Sopper, who came on midway through production after Fraser had to leave for Dune Part 2, mixed in with Jim Klein's production design, um, expanded just a rumored $80 million into something that felt like almost like $100 to $200 million. Uh, furthermore, um, 
Hans Zimmer score cements this by allowing the score to evaporate around it. Finally, when it came to the performance, John David Washington continues to shine with his chemistry with newcomer Madeline Yuna Willis and Jeremy Chan being a major highlight. However, there was another standout, maybe Alison Janney, who brings an air of ruthlessness to the proceedings. All overall, despite some of the ideas coming to a mixed result, the career was a unique and spellbinding entry from Edwards with um, Edwards Company with Frazier and Sulphur Cinematography, along with uh, Klein's production design and Zimmer Score cementing it. Um, definitely recommend checking this one out. And yeah, uh, do you have any recommendations before we close out? Uh, uh, no, not really. All right. I could think of up the top of my head. All right, let's close out then. Sounds good. Uh, so if, like I said at the top of the show, feel free to follow us on all our social media platforms. We're on Twitter and TikTok at Convo with Two Geeks. We're also on Facebook and Instagram at Conversation with Two Geeks. And if you want to send us an email for anything with this episode or one of our previous episodes, our email is at conversationwithtwogeeks at gmail.com. And also don't forget to check out our Patreon. We're at Conversation with Two Geeks on Patreon. That's a great way to support the show. Mm-hmm. Um. And yeah, that's about it. All right. Take care, everyone. See you next time. Bye.